Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinock. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring. We're going to travel across the world to talk about one of the countries that is experiencing tremendous religious persecution, and we don't get to hear about it very often, uh, the country of Nigeria. Our guest today, Elijah Brown, Executive Vice President of the 21st Century Wilberforce Initiative. Uh, Dr. Brown, thank you so much for being back with us on Freedom's Ring today. It's an honor to be with you. I understand you had the opportunity to testify in Congress recently for committee hearings about violence in what's called the Middle Belt of Nigeria. First of all, why was Congress holding hearings in the first place? Well, Nigeria is one of the most uh, experiencing some of the highest levels of persecution. In fact, Pew Research tells us that out of the top 25 most populous countries in the world, Nigeria has the highest levels of social violence related to religion in the entire world. Many of us are familiar with Boko Haram in northeastern Nigeria. Boko Haram has destroyed over the last few years 13,000 churches. They have impacted huge swaths of the territory. They've closed, for example, 1,500 schools, and 950,000 children inside northern Nigeria have been denied an education because of the actions of Boko Haram. Many of us have heard some of these stories before. What is new and what is developing today inside Nigeria is the emergence of a second major terrorist threat that's significantly impacting all communities, and in particular, the Christian community. It's a group called Fulani Militants. Now, Nigeria is one of the most strategic partners and strategic countries inside Africa. There's an old joke which says when Nigeria catches a cold, all of West Africa sneezes because Nigeria has the highest population in all of Africa. Nigeria has the largest economy in all of Africa. It has the highest number of Muslims and the highest number of Christians in all of Africa. So it's an extremely strategic country. And so the Tom Lantos Human Rights Commission, just a few weeks ago, decided that the emergence of Fulani militancy and escalating violence inside the middle belt of Nigeria needed to be on the record and needed to be explored. And so I was honored to help raise awareness about the atrocities that are beginning to unfold across the Middle Belt of Nigeria. Well, when we were talking before the show, you indicated that you called this Boko Haram 2.0, which suggests kind of uh, taking it to the next level. Can you explain what you meant by that? Well, here seems to be what's happening. First of all, the Fulani are a large nomadic people group. They're actually the world's largest nomadic people group. They stretch across much of West Africa. The largest community of Fulani are inside Nigeria, and historically, they have migrated with their cattle, moving them into, you know, searching for new grazing territory and moving the cattle into those grazing territory. What's happening inside Nigeria right now is really a confluence of a variety of factors. Some of that is environmental, as the Sahara Desert has grown and the Sahel 
has grown. It's forced some of these Fulani farmers uh, or farmer pastoralists deeper into Nigerian territory and the territory that has traditionally been Christian communities and that have traditionally been farming communities. So that's one dynamic. A second dynamic then is this interplay between predominant farming communities and predominant herding communities. Of course, that story is as old as Cain and Abel. And then the third element is you have a growing sophistication of weapons being used by these Fulani militants who seem to be intentionally turning them onto Christian communities. We had the opportunity at the 21st Century Wilberforce Initiative to visit a number of communities across the Middle Belt of Nigeria which have been burned to the ground by these Fulani militant attackers. One example relates to a community called Agatu. It's probably the most extreme example, and we were in Nigeria when that attack occurred, and we interviewed people who survived that attack five days after it occurred. It's an attack which the UN said left 300 people killed, many, many, many thousands of displaced, and that burned 20 different hamlets to the ground. And that community, that attack lasted over two days and involved militants moving upriver in a boat, stepping off their boat with highly sophisticated weapons, AK-47s and so forth, leveling entire communities to the ground, and that night being resupplied by a helicopter so that they could continue their attack into a second day. As I said, it had great devastation. And there are many, many communities that have been impacted. At the 21st Century Wilberforce Initiative, we've been maintaining an ongoing tracker how many different communities have been attacked and how many people have been killed. And we can say with certainty that over the last 12 months, more than a 1,000 have been directly killed by these Fulani militants, that there have been dozens and dozens of attacks, and that over 90% of the victims have been Christians. Let me come back to something you said earlier, because I need a perspective on this. You said in this attack in Agatu, 20 hamlets were burned to the ground. How many people would live in a hamlet? How many homes? How large a village is this? Well, it's a good question, and of course, it's going to vary region by region. Here seems to be what's happening. If you'll kind of imagine that you'll have a large central community, which may be inhabited by anywhere from a few hundred to several thousand, depending on the size of the community. That's kind of the center. And then along the outskirts and, you know, within a walking distance will be a much smaller range of hamlets sort of ringing those communities. And the general pattern that seems to be happening is that the Fulani militants are moving in attacking all of those sort of smaller hamlets which ring the larger community, burning them to the ground, displacing those individuals kind of to the larger community, uh, killing many, many individuals. I think about an attack which happened just two weeks ago, which killed 20 individuals during the middle of the night. So some of these attacks are quite small. Some of them are, like I got to, are much, much larger. They displace them to that larger community What's so damaging and what's so difficult for Nigeria to move forward in a healthy way is that in some of those instances, the Fulani militants then claim those hamlets as their grazing territory, which really prohibits the ability of individuals to ever return and rebuild and restore their community. I think about another village that we visited that had been impacted in this way, one called Sho. 
And the members of show brought a notebook that was filled with about 150 to 200 pages of material, all of the evidence that they had documented from the different attacks that had occurred against their community over the last few years. And one of the village elders stood up and he said, we are under siege. We are being attacked. Every time we leave our main community, we're being killed on the road. We've been unable to plant our crops and we're facing a famine. He had almost had tears in his eyes and he just begged. He said, is there anything you can do to help? Because the dry season is upon us and we are surviving by eating grass. Oh my. And then he went on to say this. He said, the name of our village and our local language means peace. Mm. And so what we might say is that peace is literally under siege across the middle belt of Nigeria. I can't listen to these stories, Elijah, without feeling a sense of helplessness. But I think part of the work that the 21st Century Wilberforce Initiative is doing is to help those of us here in America not to be helpless not to just hear the stories and, okay, we'll pray, or okay, we'll send a financial donation so somebody can do something to help. But there's more that we can do, isn't there? And that you're in your weekly emails alerting the American people to how they can make a difference and not just kind of throw up our hands and say, oh my, or or even in some sort of perverse sense, be entertained by the sheer horror of the stories. Well, you're exactly right, and I appreciate you for raising those very questions and those very points. I would encourage everybody to go to our website, 21, that's 21wilberforce.org, and sign up for a free alert so that every Tuesday you can not only hear one of these stories but receive some of these action points. And I would encourage us to pray. Prayer is the number one request that we have from those who have experienced this kind of persecution. And I think about a woman inside Boko Haram, inside Nigeria, who'd been captured by Boko Haram. And she described this really horrific experience of being captured and being held captive. And then late one night, she knows the guards weren't really watching. She put one child on her shoulder and she put one child clinging to her back and she was able to scale the wall and run into the forest and seek safety. And she describes this whole situation to us. And then she looks up And she said, I pray that the people in the West will never know these realities. And when she said that, my heart broke. And I thought, if people who have been held captive by Boko Haram are praying for us, can we not also pray for them? I just challenge all of us. Scholars tell us that on average, every year, 7,000 Christians are killed for their faith which means that every day, on average, 20 individuals are martyred for their belief in Jesus Christ. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, I just wonder if we couldn't wake up tomorrow morning and say, Lord, we don't know where the 20 are, but you do. Would you be with them? Would you be with the families they leave behind? Would you be with their communities? And would you help us to use the influence, to use the power, to use the voice that God has given us to advocate for them? Wow, that's a wonderful, you know, I'm inspired in terms of how we do our ministry here and educating churches, 
Certainly the Seventh-day Adventist churches have very active prayer ministries, and we need to be reaching more of our churches with information on how to pray effectively for our brothers and sisters around the world. And coming back to the situation in Nigeria, I gather from your report to Congress that they're also very sophisticated at separating the the Muslims from the Christians and, and killing only the Christians. Well, when you're looking at a situation where over 90% of the victims are Christians, you know that there's something at work here. And it may be in part religious. also seems to be the Fulani militants who are engaging in these attacks are targeting Christian communities, maybe not so much because they're Christian from a theological perspective, but because they know there will not be any legal, uh, any legal negative ramifications for them targeting those particular communities, which is to say that when you and I are not pressing our representatives to be a positive voice for Christians and all those who have experienced these kinds of tragedies, when our members of Congress are not raising to the Nigerian parliament what is happening to the victims, then it leaves room for individuals with bad motives to target communities that are vulnerable. And so, you know, part of our response to this is to say rule of law matters. And inside Nigeria, one of our priorities as a government has to be rule of law. And we've tried to prioritize this at the 21st Century Wilberforce Force Initiative. So just a few months ago, the U.S. government was going to uh, sell the Nigerians. You know, I'm sorry, Elijah, I have to cut you off because we're out of time. But I appreciate the plug for rule of law. I have unanswered questions. I certainly want to bring you back. Our guest today, Elijah Brown, Executive Vice President of the 21st Century Wilberforce Initiative. We've been talking about... Uh, violence against Christians by the Fulani people in the middle belt of Nigeria. As we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk the talk about religious freedom. We help those suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at www.churchstate.org. And Freedom's Ring is available on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed get involved. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring. <laughs>